Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 17 Breakdown Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. It is a great day to be great, and especially when I am joined by Fantasy Life's finest, Chris Allen. Chris, we were just talking about, going to be sipping some brews, doing a rookie draft this weekend. But first things first, we got to break down, maybe not the single most important topic of best ball drafting, but an important topic nonetheless, Week 17 matchups. Yeah, exactly. And I know after our conversation that we had yesterday during the best ball live stream, if folks get a chance, go ahead and watch us try and break down like our drafts. Watch me stumble and wind up picking Tyler Boyd six rounds ahead of ADP. But the conversation and the strategy regarding figuring out like which week 17 matchups that you really want to target. I think that's that was part of my strategy, or at least the things that I've been digging into over the past couple of weeks, because it's been like all the talk. I mean, like Pete's been talking about it. Dwayne's been talking about it. Like all of the folks here at Fantasy Life that have been trying to give you, the listeners, some of the best strategies to approach Best Ball Mania 4, or even just like any of the other best ball tournaments that you're trying to get into right now, the best ways to correlate your lineups, stack them up properly so that you can give yourself an edge. So with that, I mean, I don't know. Where do you want to start, man? Like, I, I've been, I've been like digging into some ways to figure out what the matchups are. But I guess, what are your thoughts about like the week 17, like matchups in and of themselves? Is that something that you're heavily influenced by when you're stacking? Or is it just something that if it happens to work out, so be it? I think that's the important part to stress here because, look, I, I, I like to thank Chris that we have a good idea, maybe better than the relative just average Joe out there about what's going to happen in fantasy this year. If not, we wouldn't be very good at our jobs, or at least we'd be entertaining, I guess. But yeah. looking at, again, specifically how much should we be waiting the Week 17 importance, it's not a ton, but it is still a factor, and that's why we are going to be devoting at least this one podcast to trying to get down to it. I thought Adam Levitan, always oh, doing great stuff, had established a run, said a nice tweet, you know, really when this whole chaos was breaking out when the nfl schedules were initially released he basically said like again week 17 correlation is definitely plus ev but it's not among the top five things that he would prioritize while drop while drafting those top five things roster construction stacking adp player ranks and takes and then position capital and we see that same sentiment you know just reflected by our own peter overset who's been one of the people i think pushing this idea to the forefront of the industry where peter basically said quote for quote in his fantasy life article the best Best way to think about week 17 correlation as a tiebreaker whenever you're on the clock so no chris when we have our handy dandy tiers i'm not going to be taking let's see amari cooper over Jalen waddle just because i think it fits my week 17 priorities better i'm going to be taking the better player but as we have demonstrated doing these live drafts over at the fantasy life youtube channel there are scenarios where we have a long flat tier of wide receivers or running backs or even mm -hmm. tight ends late and it's at that point Chris that we start looking into the week 17 side of things because again as Pete does a great job explaining in that article like the chances of us even getting to the final I think 400 people make it into week 17 mm -hmm. after there's over 600,000 entries so those chances are already so slim might as well try to optimize any little edge we can once we get there and even if it's not a huge edge week 17 is a small edge when you are able to game stack them. 100%. And I think that's the best way to approach it because let's say just for instance, you're starting off in the early rounds and let's say you're in the top like two or three draft slots and you pick Jamar Chase. That decision right there, while it's likely driven by the market, while it's driven by ADP, it will help inform your later decisions. 
because if you draft Jamar Chase, what would be the natural thing that you would do afterwards? You might want to queue up Joe Burrow if you can. See if you can get Patrick Mahomes because of the Week 17 correlation with the Bengals and the Chiefs. We'll probably talk about that matchup here shortly. But it's just those decisions, those early round decisions beget the other decisions that you're going to make somewhere down the line. And it just makes it easier to draft, to be quite honest, because you don't really have to make at least a ton of decisions about, well, who else am I going to, who else am I going to try and draft? What other teams am I going to try and target? Because that first decision, whether it's you draft Justin Jefferson, all right, well, maybe I'll star Kirk Cousins so I can see if I can figure something out later on down the line. Grab an A.J. Dillon or an Aaron Jones because the Vikings play against Green Bay. If anything, while I'm 100% on board with the, with what Pete is saying in the article, saying if you wind up doing the correlation, it's fewer things you have to get right. And that's just a DFS staple. That's a strategy or concept that DFS players have been using for years. But at the same time, in my mind, it makes things easier for me because I know who I'm going to try and target at ADP. Because like you said, it's a tiebreaker. So if I wind up getting those guys at their value, excellent. If not, then you adjust Use, your use the tiers, rankings that we have provided on the site in order to uh, like shift your focus. But at the very least, again, it gives you a plan versus just summarily saying, I'm just going to take whatever guy that I want and then I'm going to go about it that way. Just makes things a bit easier for you. And I'd say it's really molded, you know, my last six or seven picks way more so than anything I'm doing in the first, you know, 10 rounds, I would say, of mm -hmm. these drafts out there. Because we do have more clarified, more nuanced takes on the guys that have higher, you know, I should say lower overall ADP. The guys going in the top 10 rounds of the draft. But Chris, once we get into freaking round 12, round 13, like, can you really look me straight in the eyes and say that, you know, Jaden Reed or Van Jefferson or Rondale Moore or Marvin Mims, like, absolutely positively need to be ranked ahead of one another? another like okay i get it we all have our rankings out there but again that's an instance where accept the fact that we don't know a ton about this and just lean into the correlations and the ability to game stack those now last thing before we get into some of the specific matchups had justin herzig another week 17 truther and when i say week 17 truther it's just another way of saying a pretty smart person had him on the pod doing a best ball draft a couple weeks ago and i asked him specifically how much is too much stacking, though? Because, you know, we mm -hmm. just say game stack. We never actually dive into exactly what that means. Per Justin, and I, I know he's done the research on this, three pass catchers with your QB is about the maximum. And anything over three, then we're starting to, you know, just see diminishing returns from that point. Mm -hmm. With the bring back. So again, if we have, let's say, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and Kirk Cousins, and we are looking for a Packers bring back, it's okay to have two bring backs, but the good point Justin made, we don't necessarily want to do two wide receivers bringing back, because guess what? Mm -hmm. Those guys are going off. If we have Jaden Reed and Christian Watson just completely going off, guess what? Jordan Love probably outscored Kirk Cousins in that scenario. So the key right. is a one-player bring back by wide receiver, or if you want to go two, you want to go one wide receiver, one RB, one wide receiver, and one tight end. So Chris, I think we've, uh, you know, broken down again why you should care about week 17 and the fact that even if he shouldn't be, you know, completely, okay, I'm on the clock in the third round. Let me think about the week 17 matchup first and mm -hmm. foremost. No, that's not quite the way we want to be addressing it. But again, piece of the puzzle. And now let's get into exactly where that fits in this year. Again, Chris, you have put a lovely article at fantasylife.com. We've talked about it on the best ball streams. Best 
football week 17 matchup first look and just initially what you did was break down the implied totals for those games looking at what Vegas thinks about them right now top matchups of the week are rather easily man Cowboys Lions and Chiefs Bengals 50 point total and a 49 and a half point total after that we have a bunch between 43 and 45 and a half the three worst totals Texans Titans Buccaneers Saints and Commanders 49ers so with all that said Chris Again, how are you feeling, I guess, at the top? Or do you see any of these implied totals that just make you think like, okay, I know what Vegas is saying, but damn it, Vegas can be wrong sometimes. Exactly. And I think that's where it takes a little bit more of just like looking at the numbers and just saying, all right, well, it is what it is. And I'm just going to target the games that are going to be higher totals. One, that's probably not the best way of going about it because it's May, early June. Things are going to change like over the next couple of months, and especially over the next three, four, five months before we even get to week 17. So using that number like solely as a data point to say, yes, I'm going to target this matchup, not the best way of doing it. What also gives us some indication of whether or not it's a matchup when a target is the spread. We also want to look at the fact that it's going to potentially be a shootout if we're, let's say, within a field goal. If the spread to if the spread is somewhere within like, you know, three points or so. So we can expect some type of back and forth matchup between the two offenses. We don't want necessarily a complete barn burn. Let's say if like Kansas City was playing the Cardinals and it's like 27 to nothing by the third quarter, Patrick Mahomes is sitting on the bench. And we're not really getting a ton of production from the other pass catchers that we would stack with Patrick Mahomes in order to create our stack. And even our bringbacks might not get a ton because they're just completely getting pummeled by the Chiefs defense. So no, that's the two key pieces that I wanted, I wanted to at least look at when I was targeting those. And also, it's a sliver, I mean, a very small piece of the puzzle, if a piece of the puzzle at all. But we, when we're doing these types of drafts, I mean, we're drafting, I mean, how many rosters are like, I mean, Ian, you've done 40 of these like already, and I'm still sitting at three or four. But it's like we're putting together an entire portfolio, another DFS concept that leaks into these tournaments, trying to be unique. Everybody, I mean, everybody saw the Kansas City uh, Bengals matchup when it was released, like on Twitter by Adam Schefter. And most likely, the market is going to shift towards targeting that particular matchup already just by the market i mean there are over like eight or nine players that are with top 180 p's just in that matchup alone same thing with dallas and detroit we're all excited about dak prescott and still cd lamb and of course like tony pollard amon ross St. brown like all of the players attached to both those games but let's see if we can find matchups that have less like the market has less exposure to players that have high adps but are coming from matchups that aren't going to be as targeted by the market and so I found a couple of them that kind of, meet, like, kind of meet that criteria. And the first one that really caught my eye was that Baltimore-Miami game. Ooh, what a fun time that was last year, Chris. Exactly, which kind of like struck me as an odd because they had it sitting down like a 43.5, 44-point total, right? Also sitting within, within a field goal like, uh, for the spread like I, was, like I was expecting. I think it's like 1.5 if I'm remembering correctly. But, I mean, that's the game where... Tua Tungvaluwa goes bonkers. He threw, what, six touchdowns, if I'm, if I'm remembering right, oh, yeah. in that particular game. I, I mean, Lamar Jackson went off. So, one, looking at last year's results, seeing how many points were scored in that game, comparing it to what the expected total is for this year, and also thinking about the offensive additions that both teams made. I mean, Ravens are getting Todd Munkin. They add in, we got like Zay Flowers, OBJ. We got Mark Andrews coming back healthy. Offensive philosophy has changed along with the pass-catching core. And then with Miami, expecting Tua Tungvalu to be back healthy, 
their pass-happy ways. They were top 10 in pass rate over expectation. So we should expect, given the offensive core is still there, along with the coaching staff, most of their approach to the offense should continue to stay the same in 2023 as well. So if you got now two pass-happy offenses, two explosive offenses, and we know where most of the volume is going to be going to, especially on the Miami side, it's easier for me to target that particular matchup Especially since, as of right now, most folks might look at that total and be like, oh, it's only 43, 44 points. Uh, you know, I'm I like Miami. I have some uncertainty about Baltimore. Maybe I'll try and look for look other ways. Or the, most folks will be getting just the core Baltimore stack in Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews and have some uncertainty about drafting Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. I haven't even talked about the running backs attached to the Ravens right now, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, whomever. Yeah. So that's one of those matchups where just looking at the number forces you to evaluate the teams themselves, what their offensive philosophy is going to be, and if there's a chance that that particular matchup can outkick its expectations from a game total standpoint. And that one right there is an easy one for me to say that, yeah, I'm going to start targeting that one. And it's very doable to create. And one of the ideas that I've been, you know, just, you know, going on all my dog walks, Chris, and I'll come up with an article idea and just try to message to myself and get back to it when I'm not, you know, <laughs> just touching some grass and all that. But yeah. with uh, having done, you know, again, a lot of these drafts to this point, like you just see when certain players are going and the pockets of value you want to be attacking and all that. And it's not, you know, anything I'm special at. It's anyone that's going to be doing a lot of these drafts. You will naturally start to see that. And my idea that I wanted to try to do was look into all these week 17 matchups and see like just which ones are the most feasible to pull off, which ones are naturally happening with the guys you should be targeting with their relative ADP and where they're going in the drafts. Because one thing I have noticed with the Lamar Jackson side of this, which I've been happy to draft a lot of him usually at the end of the third round mark andrews going about the same spot so it's tough you know to really get both of them unless you're reaching a little bit on him but the problem mm -hmm. i've run into chris is i get lamar and then guess what all these wide receivers bateman flowers and odo beckham jr they're going like wide receiver 45 or later so you can almost always get two of them if you want to which is great and later but i'm sitting there finally i got my lamar maybe i got bateman maybe i got flowers maybe i get a round 18 isaiah likely don't get me started on that yes, one but sir. We have that going on, but I'm sitting there in round eight going, all right, I got this great Raven stack. Who can I bring it back with? back with and the answer is always only Devin a chain or you know most or Jeff Wilson because Tyreek and Waddle goes so damn early in these drafts so again it's one of those things where I don't want you guys to go ahead and just morph your entire strategy behind week 17 but hey if you do find yourself getting Tyreek or getting Waddle early and then all of a sudden you kind of get to the point that I've gotten to with Lamar Jackson where you don't love the RB drop off we kind of have there you're just not in love with some of those wide receivers like again Chris as a tiebreaker when it is between Lamar and guys that you just, eh, yeah, it's a toss up. I'm not really sure what to go here. We've all been there on the clock. It's a scary feeling. You're not exactly sure who to click. That can be that extra piece of tiebreaker news that helps you go ahead and not only feel better about the lineup, but make a more plus EV lineup. Exactly. And I think that that concept that idea dovetails like right into one of the other matchups that I'm really trying to target right now. And that's the Vikings and Packers uh, matchup in week 17. Now, most folks will look at it and be like, oh, it's a divisional rivalry. I mean, divisional matchup. It'll be a divisional, a divisional rematch, which in Minnesota, in Minnesota, so don't, in the dome, don't worry about that weather. 
Exactly. And, you know, that's my big thing is trying to figure out if there's going to be some weather games, especially at that point in the season. We don't have to worry about that. But a lot of folks might get turned off to stacking that particular game because who like the primary pass catcher in that particular game on either side of the ball is the man that you're going to have to have the one on one in order to draft. So if you don't have Justin Jefferson, what's the likelihood that you're going to be striving to draft? Jordan Addison, you're not going to be going out of your way to draft KJ Osborne. And most folks, especially given ADP right now, most folks aren't going out of their way to draft Kirk Cousins. So unless you have Justin Jefferson, that matchup just by default is one that a lot of folks probably aren't going to be targeting. But yeah, Christian Watson still goes at a point in the draft where it's early enough that there's some buzz around him. But the rest of the Packers, Romeo Dubs, later, Aaron Jones, at least where he's been traditionally, later, A.J. Dillon. We've talked about him as a value target for running well, back. Round, round 18 Luke Musgrave, Chris? Hell yeah. And then also Jordan <laughs> Love, like where he's going at in drafts right now. So it's just the entire Packers offense as a whole is being discounted without having Aaron Rodgers under center. And again, like I was mentioning, nobody's really drafting most of the pass catchers attached to the Vikings outside of TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. So again, that might be one of those matchups that flies under the radar, unless again, you have that 101 slot or somebody gets nuts at the 101 and you have the 102. But still, that's also a matchup that has two teams that should at least potentially be at or above the league average and pass rate of expectation, Minnesota for sure, but also for Minnesota, their defense as of right now, I mean, they had, they were top 10 in the number of finishes, uh, number of top 12 finishes allowed to opposing quarterbacks last season. And you can tell that they, that was something that they wanted to address, given the number of picks that they used in order to address their defense outside of the Jordan Addison pick. So if we have an offense that we know is geared towards being more pass friendly, I mean, Kirk Cousins stood out there slinging it, hitting career highs in passing yardage just this past year under Kevin O'Connell. But also at the same time, we know their defense is going to be weak. Jordan Love, with at least an explosive pass catcher, an efficient pass catcher in Christian Watson, having a number of other, let's say, ambiguous receivers or pass catchers attached to him. Like we mentioned, Dubs, Musgrave, Aaron Jones still kicking around there. A.J. Dillon can uh, can fit in as, as a receiver as well. But a number of other players that at least we have some excitement about, but the market just hasn't corrected for it. Right now, that total is like, like third highest like for, uh, for week 17. But like I said, not a number, not a lot of ADP or not of high value ADP is being spent on that particular one. So even if I don't get Justin Jefferson, I might try and star a couple of those guys so I can pick, up, pick it up and wind up targeting that, even if I have Kirk Cousins as, let's say, my QB2 or something along those lines. And it's a good opportunity to backdoor into that stack, which I believe you actually did in our best ball stream yesterday, where sure no, you did. didn't have Jefferson, but you got Cousins, Osborne, Dobbs, a little bit of Musgrave thrown in there. So mm -hmm. good job by you, my friend. But yeah, I think it's a good, another good time to pause with it and just realize, like, again, don't force these stacks no matter what, because one thing that Pete brings up in his article is the second you start reaching by a round or two on these guys to make this happen, well, guess what? Now the EV that you've lost in terms of not overreaching on guys at ADP, like you've lost that. So whatever week 17 benefit you're getting is probably already wiped out to begin with. And if we are putting more stock in, again, trying to beat ADP value in the first place, then all of a sudden it's a losing proposition. So it's... it's frustrating again when chris and i did that stream yesterday i had sun god i had gibbs i had jameson i had the perfect lion stack going and guess what some idiot already had two quarterbacks and no stacking partners took kirk cousins not kirk <laughs> cousins jared goff 
I'm yeah. fine, Chris. Definitely didn't keep you up all night over that. No, but no, 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 not at all. It's going to happen. All right. When you do enough of these, it's going to happen and it's going to be frustrating. And that's okay to be frustrated with it. Just realize, you know, the second that I start saying, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. Time to take Jared Goff, you know, 20 picks past ADP. There's going to be someone else out there in the 660,000 worth of entries going into this who gets Goff at his ADP or even past ADP, which is immediately going to put me behind the eight ball in that one. So Packers, Vikings, Chris, couldn't agree more. And that's a great one to go after him. You know, just buying into a little i know historically like second you know division matchups and dfs land like we aren't loving those as much we see the scores mm-hmm. down a little bit but at the end of the day you know i think some of that could also be a bit noisy due to just those games happening more towards the end of the season where weather could be playing you know more of yes. an impact and and this one i just thought the point you made about the vikings again vikings seahawks and lions those were the three offenses last year that were top 10 indeed but they were the only three top 10 offenses that also had a bottom 10 scoring defense i feel like i'm yelling at a wall every single time i bring up my issues with the lions not adding any other skill position talent to their offense i get it they swapped out their running backs i don't think anyone was looking at their running backs to start the offseason and saying man if we only just had you know better running backs here that would fix everything but just because you were a top five scoring offense last year doesn't mean we should assume you're going to be this year especially when you make moves to improve that defense so Vikings haven't really seen that going on in defense. And guess what, though? The Vikings and the Seahawks, they added a first-round wide receiver, so I'm feeling more confident about them maintaining that goodness. Chris, you said Packers, Vikings, also Dolphins, Ravens. Again, we do have the Cowboys, Lions, and the Chiefs, Bengals sitting at the top of everything. So those are some matchups that, again, we want to target. Have there been any matchups, though, where you look at them and, again, not... We're not fading Chris Alave 15 picks past ADP just because we don't like his week 17 matchup. But has there been a game stack or two that just, again, really doing the opposite? Where if it is a tiebreaker and you can avoid getting exposure to this group, you've gone ahead and avoided it. Yeah, I think the actually the Saints and Bucks matchup has been one that I'm just not interested in at that point. I think the market kind of reflects that one already because we don't really have at least a let's say, a solid idea of what the quarterback situation is going to be for Tampa Bay. And while Derek Carr is the quarterback of the Saints, he also comes with just kind of this meh you know, yeah. feeling. Well I'm said, like, well I'm, said. I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm kind of good with it. Although, and I think we talked about this beforehand, I'm just wondering if, you know, could we find ourselves at a point where Derek Carr winds up, you know, top 12-ish, maybe not inside the top 12, but fringe top 12, just because Borderline, he has... Yeah. Yeah, borderline top 12 because he's got Chris Olave. Let's assume Michael Thomas comes back to some sense of who he was over the past you know, few seasons, gets back to maybe his prime. I don't know. We love Rashid Shaheed. Jawan Tom, I mean, Alvin Kamara, let's assume, like let's see how long his suspension is going to be if one occurs at all. They got, the they got yeah, some dogs. Yeah, the infrastructure is there for sure. So it's just, it's possible for a scenario of, having Derek Carr be that fringe top 12 quarterback, but it's just so many things have to break right in order for that to happen. So I'm looking at both of these teams, neither at least project to be above average or at least even at the average or pass it over expectation. The quarterback situations are kind of raw at best, or again, like I said, meh. And while I am excited about a couple of pass catchers here and there uh, in the the early rounds, so yet we talked about like Chris Godwin leaning towards him between him and Mike Evans. Okay, fine. Chris Olave, absolutely. His air yard share, I mean, just elite air yard share, like for a rookie to come in and command that level of attention from his quarterback, great. But the rest of the 
parts and pieces. I would rather just have like maybe a maybe one or two saints or maybe like a one of like a couple of the bucks or something along those lines. But looking at the point total sitting at about 40 and a half, I mean, small spread still, but again, just not a game that I would want to target given just what we expect to happen when those two teams interact. When we saw Brady and Breeze get to square off a few times, we did get, you know, Brady was struggling until it was the playoffs. And of course, Brady comes sure. out on top in the playoffs because he's just going to freaking goat and tears all of our hearts out, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> looking at the four matchups since then, though, in 2021, 2022, total points scored in those games, 63. Okay, they got one yeah. boom, 9, 30, and 33 out. There. Nine? So yeah, nine freaking points. Nine to what? nothing. Nine to nothing Saints win. That what? was a uh, that was quite the time to uh, be alive there at the end of 2021. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where that defense consistently gave Tom Brady problems. And look, I'm not going to sit here and just judge the entire career and the future upside of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask on a few bad throws against air that have been circulating on Twitter. But Chris, yeah. going to step out on a limb here and say that Baker and Kyle Trask probably not going to be good as Tom Brady in uh, the year 2023. So That's fair. I think accepting it's that it's going to be tough for the Buccaneers to move the ball against the Saints. And let's be honest, probably everyone throughout the season. And then with the Saints offense, yes, with Derek Carr and those weapons, you know, we can look around and say, okay, this could be a situation where they can make it happen. But the one surprising thing about the Buccaneers offseason was the fact they didn't really tank as far as we thought they were going to on the defensive side of the ball. Got Jamel Dean a big time deal. You know, Levante David and uh, Devin White, these were guys that mm -hmm. we didn't know if they were going to have a long future in Tampa Bay. So I don't think we're going to be getting in the same, you know, sort of Nadamik and Sue one-year mercenary type contracts where they were just, you know, trying to hang on Brady's coattails and go get a ring. Not so sure Baker and Kyle Trask are going to be having that sort of, uh, you know, leeway with the free agents out there. But yeah, just an awfully gross matchup. And to be honest, man, just again, with some of the uncertainty there with Alave and Michael Thomas, and then obviously Trask and Baker, I just haven't been drafting many of these guys at all, man. I see the allure. I'm not saying they're completely fades. I do wonder, again, if Evans and Goblin could be this year's, you know, Metcalf and Tyrell Lockett and everything, but it's not like any of these guys are going in a spot in drafts where it's just one brutal option or like Chris Goblin. So, again, Chris, using this as a tiebreaker, I have been avoiding both these teams more times than not here. And I think that's exactly the point, and that's the thing that drafters need to understand is that we're not saying this is not the fade Chris Godwin show. This is not the fade Chris Olave show. We're not saying that, but let's say in the previous rounds or the earlier rounds, you wound up, let's say, drafting T Higgins or you drafted any one of the players in the matchups that we indicated would be a bit more uh, fantasy friendly. Then you, and there's a player around Chris Olave or player around Chris Godwin that would help you fit that stack then that would be the tiebreaker. That's all we're saying. Drafting Chris Godwin as a one-off? Absolutely. You and I both talked about adding Rashid Shahid as a late-round dart. If you want to toss in Taysom Hill, I'll, I'll, I'll do the Taysom Hill thing <laughs> again this season probably at some point. But just as one-offs, those guys are fine. But now when you try to start correlating them and adding in more pieces of that offense and also tacking on the bringback. So if you want to do Rashid Shahid, Derek Carr, and then now you want to throw in a Chris Godwin, that's where you're introducing additional risk to your team because just the floor up for that particular game is so low that even if you got into the tournament, the final tournament for BBM4, the expected output for that particular game is going to be so low, you're going to be hard-pressed to wind up being the one to take down the $3 million or whatever it is or for the prize pool for BBM4. That's all we're saying here.
Again, guys, you can find the best week 17 matchups for 2023 best ball drafts over fantasylife.com. Got Chris's pretty face over there on the graphic. Won't be able to miss it. Also got Dwayne McFarland's recent breakdown on strength of schedule where he looks at, you know, some of just the biggest differences and implied totals from last year to this year. And again, Peter Oversett's week 17 correlation strategy. And, you know, it's, uh, oh, it's all absolutely free. So that's pretty good for you guys if you're trying to learn a little bit more about this. Chris, before we get out of here, let's do our, you know, just we do this every single show and by that i mean we're going to do it now for the first time monday five pack when you're listening to this just you know going over some of the ludicrous june headlines that we'll find in the fantasy football world whether we're buying whether we're selling whether we just want to laugh at it you know let's just have a good time mac jones chris the pats offense is quote unquote normal under bill o'brien so do we think that last year that truly matt patricia was the one problem in New England that Bill Belichick saw how ludicrous this offense was. And he just stood on the other side of the field and he said, eh, let him figure it out. I see Mac Jones regressing. It's fine. Not a big deal. Patricia's being Patricia. Am I living in a crazy world, Chris, where we are really putting the entire turnaround for the Patriots on Bill O'Brien's shoulders here? Like how much do you think really going from Patricia to Bill O'Brien has to do with Mac Jones and this Patriots offense actually getting back to being an average unit? I think going from shit to average is really all you need from a fantasy football standpoint for us to be excited about, or at least not excited. I would say just interested in the Patriots offense because last season outside of, let's say, Ramondre Stevenson and maybe Hunter Henry in spurts, who are you really like even wanting to put into your lineup at any point like into the season? And I think now, if they at least have an average play caller and running a fairly efficient offense, then sure, I might get interested in Tyquan Thornton, who Pete Overzet just mentioned in the newsletter just yesterday, or toss in a couple of the other pass catchers as well. I mean, of course, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the running back to target, or just even the skill player to target. But if the offense does take a slight step forward, at least becomes an average offense, it does open up the door to a couple of the other receivers that I might be interested in drafting along the way. Right now, looking at Hunter Henry, he is poised to make the, let's see, eighth most money at the position this year at $12.5 million. And he is going tight end 34. Again, I would take Hunter Henry straight up over Mike Desicki. I believe uh, Hayden Winks has gone on record saying he loves the Mac Jones, Tyquan Thornton, and uh, Hunter Henry stack there at the end that you can make happen. So, again... Don't hate the player, hate the ADP, and all the Patriots ADPs are awfully cheap. I think the, you know, Matt Patricia bounce back effect is firmly in play this year. Also, Mm -hmm. Chris, Tom Brady is not coming back officially, you know, per Tom Brady came out here and said that he's just throwing it off, right? I mean, this is not the end of Tom Brady. Come on. No, I think at some point he'll find a way to come back or something along those lines. I think for me, it's more about his, like the ego, like Tom Brady's ego than anything else. And what he can do now in this second or third phase or whatever phase of his like football career as compared to Peyton Manning. Cause you know that those two have just been like going at each other for, I mean, for like decades at this point. And so seeing Peyton and Eli having their own big show and doing their thing, my guess is Tom Brady is looking for a way to one up Peyton and have his own big thing. Whether my guess is with uh, Eli and Peyton having a show Brady's going to wind up trying to spin this into having like a football network or something along those lines. Some something big or it just has to be something bigger than what Peyton's doing right now. That's what I think. 
just waking up every single day wondering how I can beat Peyton. Did they? Yep. They? I know they golfed against each other, but they had like partners. Do you remember who won that? I don't. I don't remember that. offhand. I don't remember who won that one. Freaking golf, man. Actually, yeah. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be hating on golf. If I could hit a drive straight to save my life, I'd have a lot nicer things to say about golf. But that's why I'm quite at. can't quite get that baseball out of me. All right. <laughs> Our fearless leader, Matthew Berry, got to interview Will Levis himself and was asking Will about fantasy football. Now, Will has actually been playing, I think he said, for 12 or 13 years. So this is a legit fantasy mm -hmm. diehard out there, potentially leading the Titans sooner rather than later. And Chris, while he has not ever finished last, kudos to Will Levis for that, his league does have last place punishment. Apparently, last year, the punishment, which was not finished, by the way, which that's a shame, man. If you're going to sign up for a league and you got a punishment, you, you agree it. to it. Got to man up and do it. I have not lost a league, and it was I was a freshman in college, so about 11, uh -huh. 12 years ago or something like that. I yeah. wore Jets Tim Tebow jersey to every single Tuesday class for a semester. And the worst part was, Chris, because I went to a school with a bunch of nerds. Like, not a single person asked me about it the entire time. So, like, Aww. it wasn't like I could wasn't like I could explain myself. I was just that. I, like, I called them nerds. I was the freaking weirdo wearing a Jets Tim Tebow yeah. jersey every day that no one asked me about. Anyway, Will Levis's punishment for the league was eat a whole pack of uncooked hot dogs live on Instagram. Terrible food takes, Chris, but if these things aren't frozen, like, isn't that okay? Like, they're, they're fucking hot dogs. I don't know. Am I in the I, wrong here? I mean, I don't know, man. That just sounds terrible. Like, are you going to die from doing it? Probably not. But is it taking years off your life in order to do it? Probably so. Eight hot dogs, yeah. probably. That's a normal pack, right? Yeah, I'm not doing absolutely not. Oh god. Well, don't no. lose your fantasy league. I'm saying I could think of worse punishments <laughs> out there. Like if we get like the 612, 1824 challenge or something like look, I'm just saying uh, you yeah. probably do that in like 30 minutes. The Waffle House challenge is much worse than that. I would do the Waffle House challenge in a heartbeat. I Over the uncooked do hot dogs? Oh, 100 percent I would do the Waffle House challenge for fun. <laughs> like that is, but that's way more entertaining to me than having to eat eight straight hot dogs. Absolutely not. But Waffle House, 100%. Let's do it. All right. So I don't get myself in any more trouble with another egregious food take. We do have news, uh, Chris, that DeAndre Hopkins is apparently interested in returning to the Texans. They cited a lot of his family still lives there. Maybe some of his issues with past key members have gone under the bridge. I am not exactly buying it. We did have Adam Schefter come out and basically say the finalists are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns, and the New England Patriots. Buffalo Bills were a team that, again, apparently in the running, but he just doesn't think that they're going to be necessarily meeting hopkins contract demands so between we'll, we'll, we'll call them all five finalists chris bills right. chiefs texans browns and patriots again Dwayne and i don't like to use the gun to your head metaphor it's a little dark so a girl scout walks up to your door asks you who you think it's going to happen but then she pulls out a freaking razor and really makes things you know iffy who are you picking Lord, for DeAndre dark. hopkins to go to <laughs> that's dark as hell uh for me i think the easiest play would be for the browns at this point and they've already sunk all this money into the nasty man playing quarterback for them so why not bring over his former number one wide receiver they added elijah moore drafted uh who is it uh, tillman uh, they have people's jones there they've got amari there i mean they built this infrastructure david and joku too i mean they built this infrastructure around watson in order to make sure that he's still the quarterback that he was when he was still in houston so if they want to make sure like foot stomp that they need that type of production out of him 
why not give him DeAndre Hopkins too? So at least that makes the most sense to me. Going back to the Texans doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, even if, at, especially at this point in Hopkins' career, if he's even has like a slight hint that he wants to do some ring chasing at this point, the Browns out of all of them, I mean the Bills, sure, Chiefs, obviously, but I think at those three teams, Browns first because of the Watson connection would be my best guess. And I would love to see the Texans happen for CJ Stroud, you know, just because we've seen these quarterbacks again and again, when they get that influx of a true number one wide receiver, when Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs, when even though it didn't work out, when Baker Mayfield got OBJ, Kyler Murray got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, time is a flat circle. Like we've mm -hmm. seen, you know, Jalen Hurts gets AJ Brown. Like we've seen this happen again and again. And then the problem is you get stuck with some guys like Justin Fields. We're now finding out with DJ Moore coming into town, what's going to be happening there. But I hate when we see these rookie quarterbacks or you know, very young quarterbacks just have years wasted where, yes, they are bad, but we can't help but look at their wide receiver room and just say like, well, look who he was throwing to. So I want to try to remove that possible a piece of the puzzle from the equation, especially on these teams that don't have a super, you know, clear cut path to title this year. Pay a little extra money. You got your quarterback on a rookie contract. You should be able to spruce up the rest of the roster accordingly. So. I'm with you. I do think, you know, it's not going to be Houston and everything, but Carolina would be another team I would love to see get in here, man. I've, I think that, yeah. I've been caught in the crosshairs of uh, Panthers Nation, and I was looking more so just doing my team preview at 2023 specifically and just pointed out that I know it's NFL contract numbers. It's not, you know, NBA fully guaranteed or anything like that, but just in terms of the numbers that they have agreed to pay right now, we have DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, and Miles Sanders getting $75 million this offseason. Really reminds me of when the Patriots gave even more than that to Hunter Henry, John R. Smith, Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar a few off-seasons ago where, yes, I do understand the sentiment that you don't want Bryce Young to be going out there and have the top two receivers be Terrence Marshall and LaVisca Chenault, but if that was the case, Chris, we'd probably call that the worst wide receiver room in the league. Now yes. you added this. I mean, what? It might be the worst wide receiver room in the league, or maybe it's bottom five instead of bottom one. So again, it's not necessarily like, I know you got to spend your money somewhere type of thing. And from a team building perspective, like I get it, but go out at some point after this year when Bryce Young probably isn't good. Let's face it. It's just been the case that we've seen with most number one overall quarterbacks and most yeah. first round quarterbacks in general. We're going to come back, and the first thing we're going to say is, look who he was throwing to. Old man Thielen, DJ Chark, who's been a journeyman, and, you know, Terrence Marshall and LaVisca Chenault. So I would like to remove that potential problem from the puzzle from both Houston and Carolina as soon as possible. I think DeAndre Hawkins would be a great guy to do that in either situation. Last one here, Chris. We do have word from Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels that Jimmy Garoppolo got asked about that, and he says, you guys might have anxiety about it, but I don't. Josh McDaniels, someone, Chris, where haven't exactly been able to take every single thing he says to the press, you know, at heart over the years. You know, he does sometimes coach somewhere and then, oh, my gosh, he's actually going back to New England for another half decade. Overall, though, with Jimmy G, do you think it's a situation where we found out something new and we're really freaking out about it? Or maybe we don't need to be. I, yeah, I'm not freaking out about it. I, I don't really see that as an issue right now. Again, it's still the early parts of the offseason. I would be more concerned if this was like, you know, later July, something along those lines, and we mm -hmm. weren't really hearing a bunch. So, and especially given the depth chart that they have on the team, it's not like they have, let's say like a, I don't know, like I know Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't in the league anymore, but let's say like, like some a true lock. Yeah, exactly. Like some sort of like wily vet or whatever that could potentially step in and take over for a few games while uh, while Jimmy might be trying to rehab or, or whatever. So 
without seeing a ton of moves like from the team indicating that there's an issue, I'm not going to be concerned about it. At least not yet. Thank you for not laughing on my Drew Locke joke. Hey, (laughs) never wrong, Chris, just early. Never wrong, just early, Drew Locke. One injury away from Geno Smith to being in a pretty nice offense. I'm just saying, but yes, with Jimmy G, I do think he should be considered the heavy favorite to take that first snap in week one. And yeah, they can get out of the contract if he's not ready, but I don't think that they would do that contract like if they didn't want him to be there, if they didn't have some level of idea that he would hopefully be ready. So I do agree with the sentiment that it's annoying how out of all the ridiculous reports and offseason rumors we get, we have these injuries, you know, just not even get talked about for three months at a time. And then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. by the way, you know, small uh, offseason foot surgery here. And yeah, if he right. doesn't recover, he's not even going to be on the Raiders. Would have been a little bit nice to know that. Would have been nice to know last offseason that Clyde Edwards-Lair was down to 155 pounds or whatever he said after the oh, gallbladder yeah. surgery. That might have been yeah. two years ago. But regardless, like it kills me how out of all the useless offseason information that we are put through every single offseason, we can't get you know legit surgery, useful information out there. But in this case, with the time involved, I think you're right, Chris, not overly concerned about it. And with that, wrapping up another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. Chris, I believe the folks who listen to us on Monday, we are going to be hanging out this weekend, though, sipping some brews somewhere in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio, man, I know people, they got their things to say, and we're not New York City, we're not Chicago, but got a hell of a lot of breweries, Chris, and I could think of a worse way how to spend a Saturday afternoon. 100%, especially with this time of year when there's not a ton of news like we were just talking about. We can just kick back, you know, throw out our rookie takes, make a couple of picks, start debating over rosters and all that. I think that's that, that makes for a perfect Saturday, in my opinion. So, yeah, looking forward to it, brother. Should be up there. So if, if folks get a chance, I mean, you know, hit us up. I mean, let us, you know, ask us about the about the league or whatever. It's a bunch of Ohio folks anyway. So, I mean, plenty of other analysts in the league that you probably have some awareness of so yeah it should be a good time though for sure where are you picking we have our rookie draft coming up i don't even remember you know, i'll find out I'll, I'll look at it tomorrow <laughs> uh, well me being a smart guy i didn't have my first round pick last year if you guys can tell i'm not the greatest dynasty mind in the world didn't have my first round pick last year i got some fomo being at the draft not be able to make a pick so i don't know what the hell i flipped in order to get jameson williams but now i don't have a first round pick this year so not like well, i gave up you know a top three or four pick so i'm not completely you know gonna kill myself over it but i don't know chris i get there i get a couple beers in me it's gonna start feeling itchy about getting to make a draft pick out there with all the weird boys again, I, already, so. I can feel it you know i got deandre hawkins on the squad i've had a few people uh, pushing around already i don't think i'm gonna fr- get a first for him but maybe i'll uh, you know i'll start just funneling beers to everyone else getting them feeling a little loosey-goosey as well that's how you really can take over some of these fantasy yes, drafts sir. so got some drafting got some brews good vibes only and yeah so thank you guys again for tuning in to the fantasy life podcast invite you as always to subscribe to our ever free newsletter you can find that fantasylife.com as well as the rest of our always wonderful and free content so for chris I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in the Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.